0: Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Amen. Praise God. How are you guys tonight? Good. Love y'all. Excited about tonight. um, Continuing to worship with you guys. And excited about uh, this is the last week in this series we've been in, a four week series on God's will, how to um, study and how to listen. How do we determine God's will? By the end of tonight, you will know exactly how to determine God's will for every nuance of your life. So, congrats for that. just kidding, just kidding. You're gonna leave as confused as ever. Um, but God is good and, and hopefully, honestly, we'll be able to walk you through a practical way of, of using these tools that God has given us. Um, We've been in this series for three weeks now, and and now tonight, the fourth week, and I've loved it because I really do believe God has given us tools to be able to determine his will. And for us, as we uh, navigate life to figure out, okay, Lord, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? Uh, Decisions on job, decisions on uh, relationships. There's so many nuanced, big and little decisions in our life uh, that can be paralyzing. How do we figure out What's God's path for me? And so, um, and so I, I really am excited about getting to kind of unpack this final tool that we see in Scripture. Um, I, I think we've done a pretty good job. I know Josh the last two weeks has done a really good job of making sure you guys hear that what we're talking about as we talk about these tools that God has given us to be able to hear him, to be able to listen to him, to be able to determine his will, is this is not a formula. It's not a formula in which uh, we're getting from God so that we can just enter in these four things and then all of a sudden now we, out comes uh, the result and out comes the solution and out comes the answer to everything. Uh, it, it's not a formula. Um, but they are tools that um, can be a lens in which we look through to determine and discern what God is doing. And so I just want to kind of review where we've been um, and, and kind of how these things build because I really do believe that the things we've talked about and, and the fourth one that we'll talk about tonight really become a lens uh, that are four different layers, that as we look through these things, uh, the Lord uses them to help focus us, to help give us clarity for some of those uh, those hard things. And so uh, the first one we talked about several weeks ago was the Word of God and how really meditating and knowing the Word of God becomes this I would argue foundational lens if we want to determine, God, what would you have me to do? And if we ask the question, God, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me go? What, where do I, do I go left? Do I go right in these decisions? We have got to be people who know and are in his word. Um, we've got to be in his word, uh, not only just for some sort of uh, spiritual feeling that we get if the wind blows a certain page open and it says, oh, man, we're supposed to go to Philippi, and so now we're supposed to take a job in Philippi. or you know, not, in, not necessarily in that way, but so that we might know God's word. God has revealed himself, we believe, in scripture. He's given us his word and he's revealed himself. And in doing that, he's revealed his character, who he is, what he's called us to do, his moral will, which we talked about the very first week, that that is a broader thing that just tells us, man, to love God and love others and what that looks like. And we can feel confident when we're in the moral will, but when we're kind of going on these specific roads and these nuanced things and we're asking, we've got to know his word because we've got to know who our God is and and who his character is. Let me illustrate it this way. Um, There's a Buddy of mine, a pastor who uh, has talked about him, how he raises his daughter. Uh, and, and he is a godly man. And the way he raises his daughter uh, is he spends a lot of time with her and he pours into her and he makes sure uh, he attempts, at least in, in, as best he can as a fallen man, he attempts to really constantly affirm who she is, her value. Uh, he takes his sweet daughter from the time she was a little girl on little dates. He holds the door open for her. He treats her with value the way that she is designed to be treated. Uh, he communicates with her. He makes eye contact. He, he treats her with respect. And he's raising his daughter in a way, uh, the older and older she gets. and He's raising his, do- her, his daughter in a way so that one day when his daughter starts dating, she will be able to determine who to date. Because what he's done is he has shown her so well, and his lifelong mission is to show her so well, his character, who he is, how a man should treat her, uh, how she should be valued, how she should be respected, so that when she gets to college one day and some guy is trying to date her, she will instantly have a reference of knowing the character of her father who set her value and her worth and modeled what that looked like. And so if some D bag treats her like crap, she'll realize, wait a second, this isn't how I'm supposed to be treated. Right? Because she has that model, because she's had the character of a father who has loved her and shown her well. And if some guy comes along and treats her with respect and values her, well, then her affections are going to be more stirred because she realizes, okay, this is in line with how I should be treated. Um, that's a great illustration for us. as If we're trying to determine the will of God and we're seeking God and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go here? Do you want me to take this job? Do you want me to pursue this person? Do you want me to, what do you want me to do, God? We can't do that if we don't know who our God is and how he's revealed himself, who is the character of our God, what he's compassionate about, what he says is true and right, what he says our value is. And so to know the word of God, to know the revealed uh, word of God is to be in line with his character so that foundationally, that's the first lens we look through. Man, is this in line with who he says I am and, and what he cares about and the passions that he's given me and that I see in scripture? So the word of God becomes this primary tool, I would argue, maybe one of the most important tools uh, we can have to really be able to determine and listen well to where God might be leading us. Then that second tool, this kind of second layer of a lens that Josh talked about is prayer. Prayer is this key component to how we determine God's will. And I love how Josh unpacked it. I mean, Jesus removed himself from the crowds and would go to a desolate place and pray. And that that has got to be a part of our rhythm and our routine, and specifically as we're trying to discern what God might have for us, we've got to not only be in his word and meditating on his word uh, and being close to him there and seeing him there, but also we need to remove ourselves, go to the desolate place, be still before him, pray boldly, and listen well. The third, uh, the third tool, the third layer of a lens in which we we can look through to, to determine what God might be saying where He might be leading, is this idea of fasting and Josh talked about it last week. Um, this idea of fasting, which we see in scripture is this, this denial of, of food and this willingness to deny ourselves and to say, you know what i 'm going to prioritize that." Uh, prayer with the Lord. I'm going to prioritize putting Him first in my life and be able to have an uh, an undistracted attention on Him, and even using my hunger as a reminder that His presence is more important to me. And so, utilizing this tool that God specifically gives us throughout Scripture, explicitly in ways to help determine what God is saying, where He's directing us, where He's leading us, and so. We kind of see these over the last three weeks, these three lenses that kind of come together in these three layers to be able to say, okay, I'm in God's word. I'm praying. I'm prioritizing that. I'm even fasting, uh, abstaining from meals. I'm I'm being wise about that to be able to see, Lord, what I radically want to go your way. What is your way? Praying boldly. And then tonight, that fourth lens uh, and the final thing we're going to talk about, this tool that God gives us, is the idea of wise counsel. Uh, It's a tool that God gives us in Scripture that if we're trying to determine God's will, that there is a design for us to be in community, to be able to have wise counsel and other people to be able to speak into what we might uh, see. We um, we love Wednesday nights, but this, when this happening right now, the the point of Wednesday night, the point of renovate is not just to have an hour-long worship service. Uh, where we sing and we hear a sermon and we sing some more. Um, it's to, to gather together, to align ourselves with Scripture, to be challenged, to be encouraged, but it is to do community in life with each other. That's why we make such a big deal out of Connect Cards. That's why we push that so much to say, man, if you are sitting here and you feel like a spectator and you feel unknown, man, then we our heart hurts for that. We want you to be known. We want you to be in community. We want you to be uh, known by others and to know others. Know what we struggle with. Know what those blind spots are in our life. And so wise counsel becomes this really, really important tool in discerning God's will. Let me, um, let me unpack uh, some, some scripture uh, that I think lays a foundation of the value and the importance of community. I'm going to take you to several different places because I think it's super important that we see where this comes from biblically. Genesis 2.8, beginning of the book, right? Early on in the Bible, Genesis 2.8, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man that the man should be alone, I will make a helper fit for him. So in the very design in the creation in the garden, God looked at man and said, this isn't right. This isn't finished. This isn't my design. It's not right for man to be alone, so I will create for him a helper. And then we get a woman from that decision of, of our God and our creator. And, and let, me, um, let me be real clear, too, because I think this verse... Uh, gets taken out of context, and I think this verse can easily be used by uh, ignorant chauvinists to kind of say, "Hey, women, you're designed to be helpers." And I think a lot of times that uh, can really be a negative connotation. That word helper, when we see that in Scripture, when we see in Genesis 2:18, that the Hebrew word used there doesn't mean this subservient uh, assistant role. When that word is used, every time it's used in the Old Testament, every time that word is used, it's used in the context of a savior, rescuer, completer, right? God uses that same Hebrew word, azir, he uses that word to define himself to Israel, right? In Exodus 18, 4, Moses says, God is my helper, Right, and so this idea of what God saw with man and said He needs a helper wasn't just Hey, I need a He needs an assistant. He needs somebody to help him with laundry. Right? That that is a horribly ignorant way to read and unpack and study Scripture. That concept is the same. That word is the same word that Israel uses about God. God, you are our helper. You are our. You complete us. We cannot do this without you. We need you. Um, And so from the very beginning of creation. God designed community. He said, man, it is not good for someone to be isolated. They need someone else there to complete, to rescue, to help. It doesn't work without them um, from, right from the beginning. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen is a verse that talks about how iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens the other. This idea that relationships are needed to sharpen each other um, as iron sharpens iron. We see all throughout the New Testament, specifically the Gospels, um, we see Jesus function in community. We see Jesus prioritize, utilize. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, could have done whatever he wanted to do. He didn't, he was God in flesh, and yet his design for how he did discipleship and his ministry was gathering these disciples. And he had this inner circle of other men who knew him, who he revealed himself to in, in deeper and more intimate ways. Um, We see in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, uh, chapter 10, he says this, and we'll put up on the screen for you. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So let's hold on to our faith, right? Let's not waver. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So even the author of Hebrews in the New Testament says, hey, Even after Jesus has done his ministry, uh, ascended into heaven, we as believers need to continue to gather. We need to continue to meet. We need to continue to encourage each other and spur each other on. We don't need to neglect this, which can be a habit. We need each other. Last verse I'll give you, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. I think in even a more specific way, Paul tells the church, uh, the Thessalonians, he says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Um, Paul tells us, man, walk alongside each other, admonish, encourage. We are designed for community. You are designed to be in community. As you navigate your life, for so many reasons, um, you're designed to be in community. But as you navigate specifically this felt need of, Lord, what are you doing How do I know where you're working, Lord? What should I do? Which path should I take? Which decision should I make? When we get to those crossroads, know that you are designed to be in community as a tool and a lens to be able to help you make those decisions. So how does that work, right? How does this idea of having wise counsel, other people speaking into our lives, how does that work uh, practically? And to understand how it works, uh, we've got to understand our need right if we really i think the best way i can define how wise counsel f- practically works is understanding what is our need in the first place uh, if we don't understand our need we can't really understand how it functions so an example would be if you've if you're an alien and you showed up on this planet and somebody handed you a toothbrush you you might be confused right you don't know what that is but if you were aware of the fact that your teeth build up plaque and they get stained if you drink too much coffee and you get stuff in your teeth and all of a sudden you realize man i have a need in my mouth oh I need something with bristles and a comfortable handle to hold and sanitary that I can scrub in a circular motion because I have these things in my teeth and this plaque buildup. Because of our awareness of our need, it dictates, oh, I need this tool. I need this tool. I know how to use it because I know the need. So to define the need for wise counsel for us is this. You have blind spots and you need mirrors. Mirrors. You have blind spots in your life. I have blind spots in my life. If I understand the need that I don't have a perfect perspective of who I am, of the decisions I'm making, of the people around me, of who God is, I don't, I have a narrow, limited. in in ways, ignorant perspective, in ways, uh, sin-induced perspective. And so because of that, you've got blind spots, I've got blind spots, and we need mirrors to be held up in our life so that I can navigate in a proper and godly and wise and discerning ways. Um, We can't trust ourselves. As believers, we can't trust ourselves. Um, If you have ever been discipled by my wife, sweetest. I love my wife. She's incredible. She is a godly and really wise woman. Uh, But if she ever sits down with you for a long period of time and disciples you, she will probably tell you this. This is a Danielle line. She looks at people and she says this to me all the time. She says this to herself. It's awesome. I love it. Says, you don't got this. Right? Like that's my wife's encouragement to most of the people she disciples. Hey, I love you. You don't got this. And I think oftentimes in our world that feels really counterintuitive, but I love that my wife will tell me that because the truth and the reality is I need somebody to tell me that I don't got this. In and of my own strength, in and of my own perspective, that we live in a culture that says, man, we got this. I just need to be positive and I just need to fake it so I can make it. I got this. That is not God's design. God's design is for us to be dependent on him. And the awareness and even the celebration and the freedom that comes from the reality of, man, I got blind spots. I need people in my life. I need the Spirit of God in my life. I need His grace in my life. I need the Holy Spirit covering me because I don't got this. And being aware of that and celebrating our weaknesses so that we might lean into the strength of God is huge. We've got blind spots. We need mirrors. Let me, uh, let me just give you some more Proverbs is the book of wisdom, right? Let me just give you a couple of other verses here. Proverbs 12, 15 says this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. I got this. But a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 19, 20 20, uh, through 21. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. That understanding that we have blind spots and we need other people to speak into our life will be the catalyst, and it will also be the motivation in which drives our conversations to seek wise counsel so that we might realize, I need other people to hold up mirrors. I need people to reveal things and show me things that I don't see. I need other people to be praying and fasting alongside me because there's perspective that I don't have. And God throughout scripture has designed this thing to work in community. So we've got to use it. Um, my wife, um, real practically, and this is an easy one because I live with her and she knows me and she knows how big of a sinner I am. And she knows how big of a fool I am at times. And she also knows my gifts and my strengths and my weaknesses. That she becomes a really important piece of wise counsel. Not the only wise counsel, but she becomes someone who speaks into my life. Um, she's someone who, man, if she is a hard no on something, if she's like, man, I just don't feel like the Lord is leading us in this way and she's a hard no, it's going to be really hard for me to overturn that because I, I kind of trust her more than I trust myself at times because I know myself and I know my tendencies and I know my ambitions or my selfishness or my pride. And so she's able to bring that to the table. Um, there's also counsel I've received that's been uh, poor counsel, right? So when I was in high school, my dad really gave me the counsel. Uh, he really believed that I could go and play Division I football, uh, specifically, don't laugh too much, specifically a wide receiver for a Division I football team, and that I could get a scholarship. Yeah, exactly. He said, that's horrible advice, Dad. I love you. I'm glad you believed in me. But no, like I, that's an awful decision. Um, there's no way I would do that. I'd die instantly. I would instantly die. Um, and I wouldn't be able to catch or run or jump, right? No. So all of that to say, man, there is counsel that we seek. And people who speak into our lives, it's incredibly important. It's part of our design. It's biblical. We need it. We need it. Um, okay, so Here's what I want to do. I want to to help uh, get more and more practical with not only the the need and the design for wise counsel to discern God, but I want to make a couple of observations. And one of them is this. Counsel can have two paths when I'm seeking counsel from somebody. Part of my seeking counsel can be gathering data, right, about a decision. And the other part of my counsel can be really trying to uh, get in line with where the Spirit of God might be leading me. But those are two very different things. So let me explain. I might be trying to decide, man, am I going to go to uh, this grad school or that grad school? Well, part of getting wise counsel is going to be, i got to gather data right? I got to go talk to people. I got to go meet people who have gone to that grad program and people who have gone to that, and I've got to gather data. That is an important part of decision-making process and seeking wise counsel to get other people who have experience. Man, if I'm curious, if, am I going to date that girl? Which I'm not, I'm married. But like, if you're saying, am I going to date that girl? Am I going to date that guy? Right? You might go gather data to be like, hey, so tell me about Becky, right? Like, tell me about what she's like and what she into. And you might go gather data For that, right? Becky's not a real person, so I can use that name and nobody feels offended, Um, right? Does that make sense? So we gather data, but there's another way in which we seek wise counsel and that wise counsel that I'm gonna camp out on the rest of of this sermon is is this. It's not just gathering data. It's not just let me get the information. Let me figure out more details about this job. Uh, Let me see if this is a job I would enjoy doing. It's really seeking wise counsel in order to discern Holy Spirit, where would you have me go? Lord, I want to be in line with who you are and where you are, and these are two great decisions, and neither one of them seems sinful, and neither one of them seems bad. God, do you you have a leaning one way or the other? God, where would you have me go? And when we're seeking wise counsel for those kind of decisions, not just gathering data, but when we're seeking wise counsel to say, man, which way do you think the the God of the universe might be urging me towards. And we've got to make sure we understand what category we're doing research in. Because oftentimes those lines can get blurred and we can go to this great interview and get all kinds of data about a job and walk out of there and be like, oh man, that's really neat. Is that really where the Lord is leading? Um, So getting counsel from somebody to help you clearly see where the spirit is leading honestly can be a crapshoot. So here's what I want to do with my remaining bit of time here. Because it can be a crapshoot, I want to help give you three practical ways of how you navigate the crapshoot, right? How you just navigate the crapshoot that is going and seeking advice and getting lots of advice, different angles, different perspectives. How do you navigate? What's helpful? What's not helpful? What's from the Lord? Man, that can get super cluttered. That can create more confusion, more paralyzation. Uh, Here's some ways of how to navigate, honestly, the crapshoot. The first is this having a counsel, a counsel of wisdom. And by that, I mean multiple voices, that there's multiple voices in your life uh, who are giving you advice. Here's the thing. I can find anyone to affirm what I want to be affirmed, right? If I want to do something and I'm like, ah, I prayed about it kind of, I skipped lunch, so I fasted. Check that. I I should check the I should check the uh, the wise counsel box. I can find somebody to affirm it. Right? Oprah will do it, or you know, I'll just get a buddy who doesn't really know any context in my life to do it. Or I'm pretty convincing. I can share it with somebody in a way that's like, hey man, do you think I should take this awesome awesome job, or do you think I should go take this lame job? Right? Like I'm able to to. To, I, I can't trust myself, right? I don't got this. I can't trust myself. And so one of the things that's really important is having a council, multiple voices in our life. Proverbs 11:14 says, "Where there is no guidance, a people fails, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety." Proverbs 15. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 24, for by wise guidance you can wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. If you're trying to navigate the crapshoot of how do I receive wise counsel in a way that isn't more confusing, and this person says yes, and this. Finding multiple counselors that you're seeking after to say different ages, different perspectives, people from different backgrounds, being honest and vulnerable and real and saying, hey, here's where I'm at. Would you pray with me? Uh, Would you give me uh, from your vantage point, help hold up a mirror? Because I know there's blind spots in this decision and and I'm designed to be in community. And so finding a multiple voices. And that leads into finding a multiple of people in your life who are submitted to Jesus. Look for people who are actually submitted to Jesus. Our hope in this series is, man, this really isn't a formula for you, but it really does propel you to use God's tool of being in Scripture more and praying more radically and removing yourself from the chaos and the busyness and going to the desolate place to be still and find those pockets of, of time in your week and in your day to pray and to fast and to find wise counsel. But make sure you find wise counsel If you're trying to help determine what the Spirit of God is doing, then find wise counsel of other people who are walking with the Lord, who are mind-blowing, indwelled with the same Holy Spirit that is in you if you are in Christ. Find other godly people to speak into your life. Find other godly people who will pray with you. Find other people who are submitted to Christ who will fast alongside you to help make decisions. And who will speak into your life, uh, not just with their own selfishness, but they'll speak into your life um, as they are also listening to Jesus and interceding for you. Um, And then the the last thing is this. The the last um, just piece of advice for how we navigate this um, when we're trying to add these multiple voices is, yes, there's multiple people. Yes, they should be submitted to Jesus. But also sift through that counsel with discernment. Sift through the counsel you're receiving with discernment. And here's what I mean by that. I think oftentimes uh, we'll hear that counsel and we'll think, okay, this is black and white. This is what this person said. This is what these two people, their counsel matched. Receive that and sift through it. Um, Job in the Old Testament. Uh, Job does this at times well and at other times really poorly. But Job in the Old Testament goes through a really hard time and a very confusing time. And he has a very limited perspective of what God is doing around him. And he has counsel around him that sit around this campfire and give him all sorts of advice. And what we see in the book of Job through many chapters is him trying to sift through all of this counsel. Not taking it all as black and white, but really receiving from different friends who give him a lot of bad advice and a lot of bad perspective. And eventually he's able to get before the Lord, and the Lord gives him clarity, and the Lord gives him an answer. But there is wisdom in receiving wise counsel, but then sift through it with discernment. What that looks like is it looks like, um, check them. Check the people who are giving you that wisdom or that opinion or that perspective. Um, pray, Lord. Lord, is this true? Is this right? Is this from you? Um, I, I had a, a buddy over to my house recently, and he was sharing about um, just kind of how he determines God's will, and and he's done some really radical things with his family, some really neat radical things, where uh, he took all of his kids out of school one year, and they, like, traveled around, and um, traveled around the country, and loved Jesus, and, like, gotten adventures, and that kind of stuff, right? And, uh, and, And one of the things that he was trying to determine to make that decision was he's trying to determine, man, is this wise? This is crazy. And he was getting a lot of affirmation and a lot of doors were opening. And like the school principals are like, Yeah, man, no problem. Take your kids and go spend a year with them out of school and roaming the country in a suburban. Great. You know, so he's getting some like weird doors open uh, and like, Wow, this is great. A lot of affirmation. But one of the things he, he got was from his parents and his wife's parents was like, No, this is a bad idea. This is a really bad idea. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't take your kids. And it was really neat because as he sifted through that, he discerned and realized, man, let me check their advice, man. Is there, is there heart issues there? And he really realized, man, anytime we want to take my, ki- my kids out of the state where they won't get to see their grandparents, the grandparents are always going to be against it. And he realized, man, any time I seek wise counsel with my parents who he respects in a lot of other areas, but man, if it has to do with the decision of like, hey, we're thinking about taking our kids on a, on a mission trip to Tijuana, his, his parents are like, no, bad idea. Don't take our grandkids anywhere dangerous. Don't. And so because of that, he has to sift through that and realize, man, this perspective I'm getting is, is valuable and important in important ways, but I've got to sift through it with discernment to realize, man, there's fear. And, and oftentimes the people who speak loudest in our life might be coming from a place of fear. They might be coming from a place of ignorance. And so we've got to take that and we've got to sift through it. We also might have people in our life that we've got to sift through and discern that are very affirming, but not affirming because it's in line with Jesus, but just affirming because either they're nice people, man, you got a friend, everyone should have the friend in their life that like just affirms everything you do, right? Like everyone needs that friend, but also sift through that friend's advice whenever you come up with bad ideas, right? Right? Because we all have that friend, or hopefully, and it's like, yeah, oh, man, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you'd be so good at that. Right, my dad. Yeah, you'd go play Division I football. No, that's horrible advice. I appreciate you for believing in me, Dad. That's horrible advice. It's poor perspective. You're seeing through goggles that aren't real. And so even on the affirming side, that we're cautious about that, that we're cautious about the, the, the wisdom that we receive, we sift through it to is there fear there in the counsel I'm getting? Is there bias there in the counsel I'm getting? And then we take that and we go back to prayer and back to fasting and back to God's word. And we keep running it through this lens as we sift through wisdom. But also, I want to challenge you to discern your own heart as you receive that feedback. Not just sift through and discern, okay, is this person coming at me with ulterior motives? But also discerning for yourself, man, is there fear in your response? Is there pride in what you want to do? And so as you receive counsel, then check that. Um, A little story. I'm not super proud of this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, Because I don't think it was a great pastor move, but it was awesome. Um, It was funny. Uh, So there was this girl who used to be an intern for me in the college ministry um, like nine years ago, eight or nine years ago really gifted girl. She was a senior in college. She was graduating, and she had a couple of ministry opportunities in front of her, two full-time ministry jobs in front of her that were like these really neat, great opportunities, very different types of roles, but these two great opportunities. And she was paralyzed with anxiety of like, what do I do? What do I do? I, I don't know what to do. And, and so there was this one time where we were meeting, and she was just in tears because she was so frustrated that she didn't know. She was going to have to disappoint one of these ministries and turn them down, and she didn't know. And so I, in my infinite wisdom, was like, okay, I'm going to leave the room, and I'm going to go pray about it for five minutes. And God's going to give me a word, and then I'm going to come back and definitively tell you which ministry you should say yes to. And so I went, and I got a Coke um, <laughs> and, check, and checked my email, right? And I prayed a little, I prayed a little bit um, about it. And then I went back into the room, and I was like, hey, this is the decision God says you have to make. And I just randomly picked one, honestly. I didn't feel like I had a word. I just randomly picked one. And it was really cool because immediately she was like, oh, no, no, that's not the right one. And it was great because she was able to determine, like, no, there's so much fear and lack of peace in that decision. Ben, you're wrong. And I was like, I am probably wrong. I just got a Coke. I didn't even pray about it. But maybe you need to pray a little bit more about it, and maybe you need to seek. And so oftentimes, checking our own heart, man, checking our own heart of discerning, man, Lord, is this my pride driving this decision? Is this my fear driving this decision? Um, man, is this, is this my selfishness driving this decision? And really checking our own hearts and going back into prayer and having the Lord do that work on us. Um, I realize this is a hard thing. And I realize there's some of you guys, honestly, in this season who, who really feel like, man, I need clarity. We have a God who wants to give clarity. We don't have a God, in the very first week we talked about this, we don't have a God that seems to often give a roadmap map for the next 20 years. But we have a God who speaks and says, man, can you trust me going from this step to this step? And can you trust me going from this step to this step? And that we would be a community that would seek after his will radically and that we would use the God-given tools to help us discern, Lord, what are you saying? Um, these are tools that he's given us. His word, are we people of the word? Are we, are we saying we want to know God's will, but we're not actually in his word? Are we saying we want clarity, but we're not spending radical time in prayer? Are we saying we want uh, God to show up? We're not fasting and we're not radically... Um, setting apart time and and choosing denial so that we might hear from the Lord in bold ways in this amazing tool that he's given us, but also are we using community the way um, that's wise and the way that's godly and the way that he's designed us to, and are we receiving feedback from people who also love the Lord, and are we sifting that through discernment? And then we cycle again and again and again, and it puts us in a place where we uh, walk in this relationship of trust with him. Here's my final encouragement. Final encouragement really in this series, it really is kind of a, a cap to this series um, because if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh no, the series is about to end. Four weeks trying to determine the will of God, hopefully some very practical tools that you start using more and more in your life, but you realize, I don't have the answer yet. I was really hoping to get clarity on this thing. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Here's what I want to encourage you and read over you. I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'm going to let you do business with the Lord and see what he does. Uh, Again, this isn't a formula. This isn't a formula, but I want to give you some, some truth and let you sift through it and discern it. Here's what Paul says. Paul says in chapter 12 of Romans, listen to this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the means of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul calls you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, to be a living sacrifice, to be dead to yourself. Present your life and your body as no longer your own, but a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, right? Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that we're in the word of God, that we're having our minds renewed. And then look what he says at the end of verse 2. He says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to encourage you that God has said, look, here's what I'm asking. You want to know God's will? Work backwards from here. You want to know God's will? Don't be conformed to the patterns of the world. All of these tools that God's given us, prayer, removing yourself from the chaos of the world and finding a desolate place, being in his word, as opposed to the unbelievable amount of other sources that are gonna try to tell you what truth is and what values are and all of those things, that getting in the word, getting in prayer, fasting, these tools to no longer conform to the patterns of the world and then live these surrendered lives. And doing that, You'll be able to discern the will of God. Philippians 2.13, Paul says, for it is God who works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so let me give you this release. If you're paralyzed with what decision do I make? Are you surrendered to God? Are you living a life surrendered to God and saying, God, my life is not my own. I want to be surrendered. And are you trying to be transformed by his truth and not the world? And if so, then hold tight to Philippians 2.13 that says, for it is God who works in you to will. What do you want to do? Just take this as one piece of counsel to you. Weigh it, sift it. I'm not sure what the decision is. Compare it to other pieces of wise counsel. But what is it that you want to do? If you're close to Jesus, you're living a life surrendered, you're trying to not be conformed by the world but be transformed by the Lord, then check your heart and say, well, honestly, between these two decisions, I kind of want to do this. Good. Then, then maybe run that with other counsel. Take that to prayer. Lord, is this okay? This is what I want to do. This seems to be my will. We see, man, when we're close to God, when we're surrendered to him, it is God who works in us to will. And so, man, just take that as an encouragement as we kind of cap off the series as one piece of practical advice to wrestle through scripture to say, okay, I'm going to trust him. I'm just, if it's in line, it's, it's in his moral will, I kind of want to do this more than that then take those steps, take that as one piece of wise counsel to apply to all of the other tools that God's given you. And here's where I really want to end. If you're here and you think, yeah, I I do want that. I do want to discern that. This is good. This is practical. I do want to figure out, man, what's God's path for me? And you're not surrendered to Christ, then it's going to be futile. Then you're going to be spinning your wheels if you're trying to determine what the will of God is and you aren't first and foremost and foundationally living sacrifice, surrendered to Christ, living your life in a way that says, my life isn't my own, it was bought at a price and I've put my faith in Christ, then all of the practical tools for how to discern the will of God is just gonna keep you doggy paddling in the shallow end. And so I want to end tonight and I want to end this series on a call for all of us. Let's check our hearts. Are we living sacrifices surrendered to God? And whether you've been a believer since you were three years old or you're here tonight and you're not sure you believe what we believe, the gospel is absolutely the antidote for everyone in between there that I need the gospel, which says I can't do it on my own. I am not enough. I need Jesus. And that 2,000 years ago, our God showed up in the person of Jesus, died and rose again, and now intercedes. And for those who put their faith in Jesus, all the religion, all the bad stuff, all of the pursuit of trying to connect, trying to find purpose, all of that washes away because it all comes up short. And instead, it becomes a surrender of saying, I need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Putting our faith not in religion, not in works, but the grace of God. Believing that the grace of God is enough to cover all of your doubts, to cover all of your sin, to cover all of your baggage. That's the God we're trying to discern his voice. Not a genie who's giving us GPS directions, but a father who loves you. And no matter where you are tonight and how far you feel like you've wandered or how many doubts you have, you have a God of the universe who says, come and follow me then I will walk with you step by step. And if we just take four really practical tools and try to apply them, but we're not living lives surrendered, then we're just gonna be spinning our wheels in frustration. So our final encouragement in this whole series, man, use this practically to discern and to listen to God well, but more than anything, live lives surrendered to a God who wants to lead you and is for you and has a plan for you that is beautiful. Let me pray over you. Father, would you do what only you can do? Uh, Would you move in our lives, all of our lives, God, continue to encourage us and challenge us and remind us of the gospel that we need? God, we want to know your will. We've got these big paralyzing decisions or these little nuanced decisions, but God, ultimately, we just need you. We need you. And so, Father, tonight, would would we end this night and end this series by letting go Um, By letting go and giving you everything, the things that we're holding on to so tightly, our fears, our anxieties, would we surrender those to you, the God of the universe who knows better? The sin that we don't want to lose our grips on, the ambition that we don't want to lose our grips on, would tonight end with truly an exercise of our worship, not just singing songs off a screen, but our worship being surrendered and surrendering our hearts to a God who loves us and knows what's best for us and a God who says, come and follow me. Would our following um, be driven from our relationship with you? And would you draw us near tonight? In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.